This podcast episode is brought to you by Paleo Valley's Organic Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Now, we all know that many olive oils are cut with seed oils or that they are rancid, and so it's not always easiest to find a quality and properly sourced olive oil. Yes, in case you didn't know, many store bought olive oils are diluted or blended, compromising both taste and quality, and may even cause rancidity. I'm really glad that Paleo Valley's extra virgin olive oil remains pure and unadulterated, sourced from a single organic valley in Greece. Paleo Valley ensures freshness and nutrient content by packaging their olive oil in dark glass bottles. At a certain point, I stopped using extra virgin olive oil, but once our practice started working with people with chronic inflammatory response syndrome or SIRS, we started recommending it for the reduction of TGF beta 1. It is an immune system marker that shows inflammation both for COVID 19, SIRS, and actually many other illnesses. So if your TGF beta 1 is high, you may want to try incorporating a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. Make sure to check it out. It comes in a two pack package. And remember, All Paleo Valley products are guaranteed with a money back guarantee. Go to paleovalley.com slash nwj to get 15% off your order. Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. Hey guys, I am Judy Cho. And for those of you that don't know me, I am a nutritional therapy practitioner. I have a private practice and I help clients get to root cause healing. Okay, so this week I have with me Austin Cavelli. She is a physician's assistant, and we are going to talk about how she has healed with carnivore and how she now serves her clients and patients with a carnivore based diet. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. And today I'm very excited. I want to introduce you if you don't already know her, but Austin Cavelli, she is a physician's、mm-hmm. assistant and she can introduce herself. So, you know, Austin, thank you for coming on my channel. If you can introduce yourself, you know, just、um, share a little bit about your journey. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Judy. It's a pleasure to be on here、um, and be able to speak with you.、Uh, my name is Austin Cavelli. I am a trained physician assistant. Um, I worked、um, originally from New York and I worked in the hospital system、uh, for about six years, particularly with、um, inflammatory conditions,、uh, mainly orthopedics and rheumatology, as well as some autoimmune conditions.、Um, and unfortunately, I kind of saw the shortcomings of、uh, Western medicine and the hospital system. You know, people were getting surgery and then being. Uh, given ice cream and soda, and it just didn't really resonate.、Uh, so, I have always gravitated in my own health toward、um, eating whole foods and having a clean diet and really focusing on, on what、um, we put into our body and what we do with our body as far as lifestyle, movement, sleep, stress.、Uh, and fortunately, my two worlds have kind of collided, and now I'm helping people see that、uh, side of、uh, nutrition and the importance of it as well. Um, as a dietary consultant. So let's talk a little bit about、um, more of your journey.、Um, how long have you been eating meat based? And、um, you know, what have you healed on a carnivore diet? 
Yeah, absolutely. So when I was younger, um, I've always had kind of digestive issues, chronic constipation. Um, they thought at one point I had uh, SIBO. Um, and so I was slowly kind of eliminating things uh, where I started with more whole foods, paleo. My brother had moved to Portland, Oregon, where um, paleo was very popular initially. Uh, so we kind of did it together. And then I transitioned to a more keto approach realizing um, I had improved energy levels and less cravings because I was that uh, classic carb addict. Um, if I had sweets, I wanted more and more and more. So as I got rid of those, um, not only did digestion improve, but also just um, kind of the mental struggles around food. Um, and I, you know, with that, I, I lost some weight. That was never the goal. Um, but I was healing. Um, my stomach, you know, my gut was healing. And I noticed more and more improvements and then eventually went keto to carnivore to kind of take it one step further, just with kind of the overlap of uh, recipes and just uh, eating more meat, I stumbled upon carnivore. So I've now been carnivore for almost three years. Um, and like I said, you know, I've seen the side of, yes, I lost some weight and I healed my gut. And at this point, it's just um, more so kind of maintenance and building on that, um, doing tweaks. I've always been a, a science nerd. So experimenting is definitely something I enjoy. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Um, let's kind of talk about the elephant in the room. So, you know, there are some people that do know you and follow you on Instagram. You have a lot of good content and you talk about not only why, you know, certain organ mates or the quality of the meat is so important, but you also talk about just the nutritional benefits, right? So it's, it's yeah. good content, but um, you know, yeah. I've seen some comments here and there where, you know, where people will say, oh, she's really thin, right? So maybe Absolutely. she's like too thin, right? So I'm going to give you the floor of, you know, yeah, I know you've healed and you've told me, you know, behind kind of recording doors, but that you've actually healed a lot. So if you kind of want to just share, you know, what yeah, absolutely. So yes, um, I'm definitely, you know, at uh, a lower weight than what I want to be. Um, but like I said, you know, I've seen the side where I went from keto to carnivore, I lost a little bit of weight, it improved my health. Um, and it actually, um, I sustained a uh, pretty significant trauma in my life, um, at which point I lost a significant amount of weight. Uh, I was down to 69 pounds. And fortunately, uh, I was actually eating carnivore. It wasn't a result of carnivore. Carnivore actually sustained me. Um, like I said, I was in, in the hospital system. And so I was working in an operating room and, and having to um, stand on my feet for 12 hours a day um, in the OR and um, I, it definitely wouldn't have been possible if I was not eating a carnivore, um, uh, a carnivore diet in the sense of energy levels and maintaining, um, you know, nutrients in my body. So uh, while some people are, you know, are judging and saying that I am thin, um, again, I was at 69 pounds and I, I've gained weight um, and now I'm in a building phase. So I have healed from that trauma. Um, carnivore has helped me in more ways than one, mentally, physically. Um, and I'm using, utilizing it even now. I, I believe everyone's in a, um, has, you know, a long-term health journey. Uh, I've, I'm using that now to build muscle and to continue to gain weight. So um, carnivore, I've seen both both sides of the spectrum as far as, oh, I lost some weight and now here I am uh, use, utilizing it to gain weight, maintaining my lean muscle mass. So um, 
yeah, I, I think it's, you know, we, we do have to be kind. We have to kind of take a step back and, and realize that you don't know someone's um, entire story. Yeah. Uh, so I do think that's important to keep in mind as well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I think it is really important. There are people that reach out to me that are really, really thin. And so they ask, like, how do they gain weight on carnivore? Is it even a way to gain weight? So for you, what are some ways that, you know, that you've worked with as a consultant? um, What are some ways that people can actually gain a little bit of weight on carnivore? Yeah, so um, I think first and foremost, it's really important to make sure make sure that you're getting enough protein um, to maintain lean mass. Uh, so that's something I definitely personally focus on, um, and then making sure also that you're getting uh, enough fat um, so that you are in a um, sec- uh, caloric surplus. Mm-hmm. So those you know are, are very easy, and for some people, if that is still not working, um, introducing you know, select carbs, um, where you are going to more carnivore ish, um, and, and choosing plants that are, you know, least toxic and, um, not upsetting their digestive system with, with regard to symptoms. Um, that would be another way to do that as well, but it's totally possible. Let's talk a little bit about your, you know, your practice and the people you see, what are some of the common, kind of carnivore pitfalls, um, areas of support that you have to kind of help your clients? Yeah. So um, one of the biggest, which I didn't anticipate was really um, mindset. Um, Many people uh, just based, I think, you know, social media definitely has an influence, but many people come in and they're, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. It's this all or nothing mentality is very dogmatic or, you know, this person said this or this person said that. And so I don't want to do that um, or that's not allowed. So I think setting, um, you know, finding out, of course, the, the details of a patient's medical history is important. Everyone's coming from a different standpoint. They all have different goals. But mindset across the board has to first, uh, first and foremost be Uh, looked at and uh, kind of setting that stage because you can go all or nothing and you can, you know, reduce inflammation. You can be strict carnivore for however much time, you know, that you set out. But ultimately, if you're going back to old ways or you're, um, you know, falling off the wagon, so to speak, or you're just, you're not in the right mindset in terms of uh, long-term goals and sustainability, I think it's kind of a all or nothing is, is not going to be um, the right approach. So I think that's really important. And I, I find that it is a struggle or it's not even so much a struggle, but um, something that, that clients don't realize going into it. So it's a discussion I really like to have with each client. I think that's really good. Actually there, I was talking to someone that's a coach um, for carnivore 75 hard inch. So she okay. like fell in love with carnivore and ended up becoming a coach And she said that majority of her clients knowingly or not had some type of disordered eating. And so majority of her clients became the discussions became more about, Oh, well, why are you trying to lose weight? Or why are you trying to eat these macros or something? And so it always, like you said, went back to this, you need to figure out what works for you. Not like what I'm telling you, you can eat and what you can and all these things or um, the best ways to lose weight or, you know, yeah. And it's, it was pretty, pretty wild. And I see that to some extent, I think for my clients, they're a little bit more ill. And so sometimes they don't have the luxury to kind of just focus on, I guess, the weight management, although obviously everyone wants to kind of 
Is there anything? Yeah, um, so I definitely see. I definitely see that as far as um, clients who come in for weight loss, that is a struggle. Um, that they'll that they're just they're focusing on the weight loss and the numbers, and then they're saying, um, you know, even with adjunctive therapies like intermittent fasting, they're telling you, well, tell me what to do or how many hours or this and that, and it's like it's not that simple because it can play, you know, depending on who you are, depending on whether you're incorporating things like coffee and how are you sleeping? Um, you know, cortisol levels may be very, very high. And then we aren't getting to the goal of the weight loss. So there, I think it does have to be kind of this totality approach. Um, and also, yeah, looking at the, the individual themselves, bioindividuality is, is definitely um, my mantra, <laughs> just in the sense of uh, helping people. It is so important. Hey guys, just to let you know, my Carnivore Cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful. Um, Besides mindset, what are some of the kind of, do you, so do you work with people that are new to carnivore, um, you know, deep into carnivore? Yeah. So what are some of the other kind of conditions or, uh, situ or struggles that you see people have? Yeah. So I do work with clients and again, it is a pretty big spectrum. Um, so people who are looking to just lose weight, um, versus, uh, others who are, have been diagnosed with an autoimmune condition or cancer, um, looking to, you know, get into a ketogenic state and heal their body, um, versus others who are, you know, uh, I have a, a good number of clients that are younger, um, you know, 30s, 40s, and they just want to prevent chronic disease um, as using it as an anti-inflammatory approach, whether they're more carnivore-ish or keto. Um, so I, I see clients like that as well. Um, depending on where they're coming from, you know, like I said, the, the more sick patients, it's a matter of healing. Um, they're struggling with the fact that it is, you know, this is more of an elimination approach and we need to utilize this to really get down um, in inflammation and heal their body. So for them, it's like, wow, this seems really restrictive. This is like, this is too much. I'm already dealing with this. Some days I don't feel like eating meat. Um, so I see uh, again that, that it's, it, it depends on the person, but for other people where it's the weight loss, things can't happen soon enough. Um, so they struggle with the Why haven't I lost a pound or what am I doing wrong? And it's, um, again, it's, I think bringing light to the fact that the body has to heal first, even in either case scenario, whether you're trying to lose weight or not, um, inside you have to heal. So patience by now and timing for sure is a number one struggle in uh, a client, um, across the board. Um, as far as why people turn to uh, carnivore coming from more keto, it is more digestive issues that I, I see common struggles. Um, and in the beginning, people who are just starting carnivore, especially they'll um, complain about uh, diarrhea or constipation and, and not really constipation, but more um, just uh, decreased frequency. Yeah. They're not having any pain or anything, but it's, it's their body adapting. So how do you have people 
you know, like what are one of the mindset supports that you recommend for your clients that are like, Oh, that, you know, eating meat based seems so restrictive, even if I have to do it for just a temporary period, Mm -hmm. what are some of the kind of tools or, you know, like, um, I guess inspiration that you give to have them try it? Yeah. So, um, I actually, uh, on that, I don't like to, you know, force it into this all or nothing, even though, yes, they may decrease, uh, inflammation a little bit more quickly if they completely cut those things out immediately. That's very easy to say. Uh, so I like to meet them where they're at. And, um, I've done this even in my own family. Um, my dad and my sister both struggle with uh, Hashimoto's. Mm -hmm. They were standard American diet. And for them, going carnivore, no chance. (laughs) Uh, It took about six years to convince them to go more keto and low carb. So just for frame of uh, mind. But uh, so I think for them, it was okay. Well, yes, I understand we need to cut out First and foremost, it was seed oils, uh, vegetable oils. So we have to cut out that. And then we also have to cut out the sugar. Um, It was finding transitional foods for them that were most beneficial and allowed them not only to stay on track, but now they're maintaining that. And they find that they don't really need those foods anymore, but they, they were, you know, they satisfied the, the craving of, oh, I, I, I miss chips or I miss um, taco shells. So, you know, it was getting, finding those brands like Siete and these are grain free, there's no sugar, finding those clean uh, quality products to get them through that hump. Fat bombs. I did fat bombs for months on end. I mean, it's, it's again, kind of uh, having that transition period. I think that's really important. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, even in my personal journey, I had to use fat bombs for a while and to transition. So it makes a lot of sense. So as a physician's assistant, I bet you, you know how to read markers, right? So blood work and stuff. So tell me a little bit about, um, you know, with your clients, like how you may kind of support them with, you know, reading some of their blood work, like how it might differ on a, you know, so somebody that's on a standard American diet, I'm guessing their bun or their, um, their yeah. T3 markers or their cholesterol will look a little different, right. Than a sure. um, person that's on a carnivore or keto meat-based diet. So if you can talk a little bit about certain nuances and how you basically support your clients. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, after some time and, uh, I, I do like to get lab work. Uh, I think any earlier than even six weeks is really, it's just not necessary unless of course they haven't had blood work in a long, long time. So baseline levels. Um, but really I, I don't like to get repeats until, um, about three months, uh, of, of really being on the diet or making any significant dietary changes in the sense of first and foremost, what people worry about on carnivore is, how am I going to poop? And then um, also their cholesterol levels. So mm-hmm. cholesterol is, is obviously a big, um, a big one that I get uh, on everyone. And it will differ on a carnivore diet, especially coming from um, the standard American diet. But if they've been low carb keto, um, you know, that's also something to consider just as far as comparison of prior levels and then levels on carnivore. Um, I really do see improvements across the board increases in HDL um, uh, or improvements in HDL. uh, So increases in the amount. Um, LDL also increases. And this is what everybody is um, concerned about, especially, uh, you know, primary care doctors who are not well versed in low carb. So they'll say, oh my God, your LDL is above 200. You need to be on a statin. 
we actually like to see that your LDL has increased um, because that is now the vehicle, you know, for transporting the fat to the to your body for utilization for energy. Um, and so I, I like to see that level go up. Um, we also like to see triglyceride levels go down um, and then having that HDL um, triglyceride ratio or even total to HDL ratio, we like to see that improve, which generally on low carb it does. Um, and in the setting of a carnivore diet, being essentially zero carb, it does. So as far as cholesterol, that's what we see uh, most commonly. Um, BUN and creatinine, they can elevate, and this is because of the um, amounts of protein that uh, a carnivore is consuming. Even with uh, ketogenic, um, a ketogenic diet, we will see an um, a rise in that. And sometimes this can be related just to, you know, dehydration. Uh, but a lot of times, especially in carnivore, it's the fact that their kidneys are adapting, getting used to those, um, you know, working a little bit harder to clear that, um, those amounts of protein. Um, another, Wait, let me stop you for a second. Yeah, um, of course. So, no, I was going to say, so one thing about the cholesterol, I'm going to ask you, but it's funny that you bring up the, uh, dehydration. Cause I actually see that too. And it's, if you think about it, when we eat plants, even if we're not drinking a ton of water, plants are, ha- are very, very high in the water content, especially yes. if you eat fruits and like watermelon, but meat is not very high in hydration. There's not a ton of water in it. So we need to drink more water, but I don't think, you know, we don't, we sort of get in this ketosis kind of state of mind. And so we don't even drink a lot of water. And so I have to remind my clients um, especially if they're not, if they're drinking coffee, they even need more water. Absolutely. So it's a great point. That I've noticed that in myself. I mean, one cup of water, I'm like, I, you know, I, I say to myself, I'll at least have a cup of, or a cup of coffee. If I had um, decaf, you know, I would still say at least have one cup of water to replace that. But even then it's like, no, two or three really. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, no, I, I agree with that completely. Okay. No. And so cholesterol. So you know, there are some people that are like, okay, my LDL has gone up to 300. I'm not as worried. You know, I've seen the graphics with the framing and studies and so on and so forth. But what if like, there are people that are having LDLs in the 800, 600, are you still yeah. concerned? Like what's your take on that? Yeah, no, I definitely, um, you know, I think, uh, what is also important to remember is that a, you know, lab work is a snapshot in time. And so we really do have to get serial levels over time. Like I said, you know, six weeks at the very earliest, then three months and repeating this level. I think having more data is definitely useful. And you do, you want to see the trend. Having just one snapshot does not tell you anything. Um, you could have someone who their level was, um, you know, higher and actually went down. Um, which again, that would mean something different in the context of, of their diet and their changes that they made versus it going up. So you always need to know, you know, have a reference point. Serial labs over time are more useful. Um, and also looking at, at, at that, yes, we do expect uh, that LDL will go up, but to what degree? And are there other things to consider? Do you have a familial history of cholesterol? Um, are you dealing with thyroid issues, which can be coexisting, oh, yeah. um, you know, with, with cholesterol um, disorders, hypothyroidism, they're generally, they can be um, coexisting. Um, another thing is just chronic stress levels, you know, so as far as looking at like inflammatory markers, cortisol levels, um, again, you have to kind of look at the whole picture. Mm-hmm. So just taking an LDL level, even of itself, is not is not telling me much. 
makes a lot of sense. What about some of the other markers you were talking about? Maybe what about like your T3? So T3 oftentimes goes low. What's your, yeah. Yeah. So I'll often see that it does go low, but then the other, um, the other values and, you know, antibodies are normal. Um, Everything else is completely fine. So it's in isolation and it's usually at the start um, of their approach within the first six weeks to three months, but generally it uh, returns back to baseline. Um, I don't, or at least I don't see any further changes in their TSH telling me that their thyroid needs help, um, is being stimulated. So I'm not sure exactly what to make of it, that it goes down initially, but, um, it usually normalizes. So I, I don't tend to worry about it, especially if they're not having any symptoms. If they were, if they're, you know, they're cold, they have dry skin, dry um, hair, brittle nails, um, more of those signs of um, low thyroid, uh, then I would dive a little deeper. But um, generally asymptomatic and, and no changes in the thyroid stimulating hormone or the other um, levels, I'm, I'm not too worried. Okay, fair enough. Uh, what about clients that have been carnivore and maybe you don't have clients like this, but what about clients that have been carnivore for many months and now they're not really still sleeping through the night? What would be your general kind of recommendation? Yeah. Um, so I do see that, um, you know, sometimes, uh, it particularly getting up, like waking up in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. initially, depending on where they're at. So if they've, if they've been on the diet, we'll approach it from, if they've been on the diet for a long time and all of a sudden that's happening, um, of course, I'm going to ask them if there's any, been any changes in their diet. Um, electrolytes is always one. Some people will say, oh, I, you know, I woke up and my, I, it was because my heart was beating quickly. Um, so it's, you're wondering, you know, blood pressure low, electrolyte related, more of a fluid balance issue. Um, are they supplementing with electrolytes? Um, sometimes particularly in women, um, and I have a couple that are, um, menopausal, uh, it is low levels of progesterone that can wake you up. Um, so I, I have dealt with that as well. And they've been supplement, they've, um, working with someone doing uh, hormone replacement therapy. Uh, so we kind of play on uh, with that, looking at fat levels, I think is important because hormones, um, whether it is uh, progesterone or another one is cholesterol or um, uh, cortisol, excuse me, as well. Uh, cholesterol, <laughs> cortisol levels as far as waking them up uh, and uh, especially that kind of dawn phenomenon, they wake up early and then they can't get back to sleep. Um, that's also a consideration. Are they, uh, uh, what time are they eating? Also, um, you know, how much protein are they eating at their last meal as far as having kind of a a dip in glucose levels and that waking them up? um, That's another consideration. So I really, I know that's a loaded answer. It really depends on the client, but I like to weed through uh, a couple of those things and, and try and pinpoint it. Yeah, no, that's good. I, I use similar kind of levers to figure out too. So I, I think it's, what do you, what do you see? So similar things. One is sometimes they eat too much protein. Um, so that, that was one. So always I kind of focus on increasing the fats and then that normally helps a lot. So oftentimes I'll see people follow the two pounds mantra, which most uh, generally women don't need to eat that much meat. And so when they eat that much meat, 
um, then they may have kind of like you're saying the dawn effect. And then if they were pre-diabetic or diabetic before, there's even a higher chance if they are having bad menopause that can, or um, lots of hot flashes types of menopause, then yes, um, that can even be a bigger sign of them eating too much protein for their needs. And so if you increase the fat, like you said, with the cholesterol and the cortisol, so that will also help. Um, But let's say it's not that, then it's again, similar things as you. So then I'll be like, when are you eating your meals, right? Are you eating close to your dinner? And some people, they actually do better. Um, So I used to say, no meals close to dinner time, no four to five hours. But, and, you know, in my book, I talk about how you can be, but basically have better sleep that way. But, you know, just clinically, I've seen that there are people that actually do better with the snack right before bed, right? So they have like two ounces of meat, and then like three tablespoons of butter or whatever fat they can tolerate, Mm -hmm. and then they sleep better. So I think it really, like you're saying, um, and you are so good about it is it's very bio individual, you have to meet the person where they are. But there's several reasons why it can happen. It could be just that you have poor digestion, electrolytes, all of that. So I kind of go through everything you're saying. It was really good. Just yeah, no. And even um, I've noticed not only um, too much protein, but um, like you said, kind of having a bolus, like all at one meal, I noticed it myself, I was testing kind of my upper limits of protein. And it wasn't that I was waking up because I couldn't sleep or, you know, my mind was racing. It was the fact that I needed to, I was drinking a lot more with the increased protein and I was having to get up and uh, it was my kidneys trying to process it all. Uh, and I was peeing a lot more with, with higher amounts of protein, um, at that later meal. So switching that even to, to the earlier part of the day and having a little bit of a lighter meal, or like you said, some people need a little snack. Uh, otherwise they're thinking of food the entire night and they're waking up, you know, hungry. And uh, so, yeah, it, it does. It depends on the person. Yeah, no, no, no I totally agree. Um, so that was very helpful. Let's move on to um, a different topic. So, you know, you sure. on Instagram, you share all these kind of quality carnivore pictures and you're just your genuine self. So knowing that you are all about the quality of the meat is so important and how it can affect your health. Right. So are you opposed to people eating grain fed? Like where do you stand kind of with that? Yeah. So I, I I think it depends on the person. Um, of course, you know, I do say that get what you can afford, but I do believe also that you vote with your dollar and if you can source, you know, locally even better. Um, so I, uh, again, if they're coming from a, a place of an autoimmune condition or cancer, uh, I do like to, to say, you know, let's get the best possible sources that we can, um, even if that means, you know, having to go locally or if there's not local to get it delivered. Um, am I against grain-fed meat? No, uh, but I, I think there's also some tips that you can take with getting grain-fed meat, you know, opting for the more uh, the leaner cuts of grain-fed meat versus getting those ribeyes uh, to avoid, you know, the toxins that potentially are in the fat, and then sourcing, you know, your fat sources from more of a grass-fed, grass-finished uh, source. So I think uh, again, just attention to detail is important with quality across the board. Uh, if money is an issue, you know, get what you can afford. Um, you, it shouldn't be this it's not a dogmatic thing of, no, I cannot consume this because I personally was carnivore for years in New York and there is not one grass fed grass finished steak in, in a New York steakhouse. So I was eating grain fed 
for a, a long time and um, it, it didn't affect me personally, but for some people who are trying to heal their body where that attention to detail is um, a little bit more important, uh, yes, I, I would of course opt for grass-fed, grass-finished. Um, again, it, it depends on the person. I, I agree. I, I, I completely agree with you. I think if you can afford it and yeah. um, if you find a local farmer, typically they're not that much more expensive than getting like good, good meat from the market. So absolutely it is. It's more the, you know, when you're getting from certain delivery services or, or whatnot that they're charging you the, sh- the yes. big shipping fees and this and that. So I always tell clients go to eatwild.com, find a local source, ask the questions that you want to ask as far as, you know, chicken, pork, grass, uh, grass-fed, grass-finished beef, lamb. Uh, it's just a better route to go and you're, you're supporting local as well. Right. What about macros? So do you have your clients eat a certain kind of, do you kind of go towards high fat? Are you just very bio-individual? You know, there's some yeah. schools of thoughts where they eat more protein and then some, you know, they eat higher fat. So where do you kind of fall? Yeah. So, um, when clients are first starting out, uh, the first six weeks, you know, I don't like it to be, um, something too obsessive. So, uh, again, it's kind of this all or nothing or tracking, or I don't want them to get into that really obsessive mindset. Um, you know, I, very often I, I find the clients come and they're like, all right, we're going to do all of it. We're going to do the diet. We're going to do the workout. We're going to add it all. And you're like, Oh no, like one thing at a time. So I do like to keep it a little bit more lax for those first, especially the first six weeks, um, telling them to eat until um, they're comfortably full, you know, eat as often as, as they want uh, initially to kind of heal their body and get those uh, hormones and hunger cues more regulated. Uh, so one-to-one is um, kind of where I like to to start people. And then after six weeks, I'll reevaluate and see, you know, what are the goals? Are the goals weight loss? Are the goals continued healing and reversing an autoimmune condition? And then we can tinker um, or even just begin the discussion of, of tinkering with um, macros. But um, yeah, I don't, like I said, calorie counting, absolutely not. Um, Macros start one-to-one fat to protein, and then we'll go from there depending on goals. So what do you eat in a day and do you follow the one-to-one or are you kind of more flexible? Yeah. So um, like I said, I was tinkering around with higher protein, um, just with um, focusing on, on gaining mass. Um, and well, maintaining lean mass and then gaining um, uh, muscle mass. So uh, I personally do like a 60-40 is kind of my sweet spot in the sense of energy and how I feel. Um, but yeah, I, I was going much higher protein and I was not feeling feeling as well, uh, kind of heavy and just digestive uh, issues, kind of bloating. Like I said, I was getting up to pee in the middle of the night. I was drinking a lot of water um, and it was to the point of just a little bit uncomfortable. So uh, I do believe that fat is really important for clients, especially in the beginning to get their hormones regulated. Uh, So if anything, I would err on the side of higher fat um, for people who are, are, you know, struggling at all with energy or just uh, getting used to the diet. How about, have you ever tried eating like 80% fat of total calories? And if you have, like, how did that make you feel compared to this now? 
So I, um, particularly when I was doing keto, I was more like that 70, 75. When I went any more than 75, um, I did have digestive issues with fat. Um, and so I, I just noticed a little bit more like gallbladder symptoms. Um, and so, yeah, again, that's kind of, I can go up as high usually as about 70 or 75, but past that, um, I don't, I don't do as well, even with some of the fattier cuts of meat, depending on how they're cooked. Um, like the brisket when it, when it is a, uh, kind of a bolus of fat, I do better when my fat is like throughout the day. So I've noticed things like that, but I can push about 75% and still feel, feel good. That's pretty good. I mean, some of my clients, even at 70, they start getting loose stool. So 75 is pretty good. I mean, that's probably where I kind of fall on average. Um, And I do notice if I eat a lot, a lot of fat, there will be a cap where I'll start feeling kind of like the burping or the indigestion, but yeah, probably too much at that point. That's what I noticed. So I do, I space it out a little bit more as opposed to just eating like, you know, a pound of brisket at one sitting like that would be, that would be bad news. <laughs> um, so how much protein or how much meat do you eat in a day typically? Yeah. So I usually, um, a minimum is like a pound and a half, mm-hmm. um, like, pound and a quarter to a pound and a half, um, up to two pounds. Um, but you know, two pounds are the days that I, uh, I've like worked out, I've, you know, I'm, I'm much more active. Um, but usually, yeah, I'd say on average a pound and a half. And do you eat cuts like more like the New York strip? I know you eat a lot of organ meats, right? I do eat a lot of organ meats. So, um, generally, I mean, speaking, I would have more organ meats on my plate than I would have, um, then I would have muscle meat, but then I was noticing that, you know, they are organ meats are very lean. So I was, um, playing around with, you know, suet versus getting your, my fat out off of uh, ribeyes and, and those types of things. Um, I personally like the fattier cuts of meat, um, as far as muscle meat, and then I'll add organs in, uh, in addition, but even the organ meats, um, I, you know, liver is a staple, kidney is a staple, uh, but I really like sweetbreads and brain, which are your fattier, um, you know, they're still fairly lean, but they're your fattier options as far as um, organs, even tongue, um, again. Uh, so I, I do, I gravitate toward the, the fattier cuts. <laughs> uh, you know, one question I get often, because I saw one of your Instagram posts where you ate raw organ meat, I don't know which one it was, but yeah. I get often um, asked, you know, is it risky at all to be eating raw meat um, and raw yeah. organs? So what is your take on that? I think it's really just important to know where you're sourcing it from. So if you do have a good source, um, you know, a small local farm, um, they're really, their attention to detail for those animals is, is um, top notch. Uh, so I don't personally worry about it. Everything I get is locally sourced. Uh, but when you, even you're going to whole foods and you're getting beef liver from the freezer that you're not really sure how long it's been in there or what, Mm -hmm. um, where it's coming from. I, I do, you know, tend to say, just use caution, um, or go out of your way for the organ meats, getting them from a source that, you know, Uh, I think that's important, um, as far as eating them raw. And then do you eat organ meat every day? So how much, cause you know, there's sometimes there's a concern for like vitamin A toxicity. Cause you know, liver, I don't think all the, or I don't think heart has a ton of vitamin A, but I know liver does kidney does. So are you yeah. concerned at all based on the vitamin A kind of ranges? I think six to eight ounces would be the most you can consume in a week. Are you concerned? And then do you eat much more than that? Yeah. 
So I, I, gener- I do eat Oreo meats every day, um, but I do, you know, I don't go above probably three or four ounces in a day. And I, I like to change it up as far as variety. Um, you know, there are days where I'll have that three or four ounces versus another day. Well, maybe I'll just have an ounce or two. Um, I don't worry about vitamin A toxicity, to be honest, uh, in me personally, but as far as uh, client, you know, I, I will, um, uh, I will recommend, you know, one to two ounces is, is plenty. 16 ounces of organ meats in a week, I think is absolutely plenty. I don't think there's um, benefit going beyond that point. Um, and so to be mindful of that, because we don't have long-term studies, I think that's a good gauge. That's good. Um, what about supplements? So you know, obviously you eat very, very nutrient dense. So do you recommend um, some of your clients get, take supplements in the beginning if they're sick or if they're having digestive issues, like what's your take on supplements? Yeah. So um, I always like to kind of dial everything back um, just with the approach of the diet as well, especially if they are sick uh, to, to get them off of as many supplements initially as possible. Um, in order to really see how they're reacting to the diet. Uh, but for digestive issues, for sure, I'm um, not against, uh, you know, HDL, pepsin, the ox bio, um, bile salts, uh, as far as a supplement initially when they're transitioning. Um, and then we'll, we'll hopefully get them off of that with adaptation. The other two that I have uh, really don't have a problem with is magnesium. Um, and I'll, I'll recommend magnesium glycinate. I think it's helpful not only to um, stimulate the bowels, which it's not as, as strong as you know, um, as like magnesium citrate in producing a, a more immediate bowel movement, but it helps with bowels um, as far as constipation to some degree. Uh, it also helps with sleep with the glycine in it and to help kind of that um, that ratio as far as balancing the glycine um, with the methionine uh, with larger eating larger amounts of meat. So magnesium glycinate is one that I'm not opposed to, particularly taking it at night, or I'll, I'll recommend even uh, having bone broth at night, again, for reasons of glycine. The other supplement is vitamin D, which I think is very, very important. Um, so magnesium being kind of the precursor in order to be able to uh, to um, actually uh, utilize vitamin D, uh, I think is important, but then vitamin D in and of itself, of course, if you can get outside, excellent, you know, get your 20, 30 minutes as much as you can throughout the day, but some people can't even get that. So I'm not afraid to supplement with vitamin D either. I think it's extremely important. Um, and magnesium, the other reason is that we're not getting it a lot in our water any longer. So these trace, you know, these minerals that our, our water is now stripped of, uh, I think it's really, really important. I see so many different signs and symptoms of magnesium deficiency in clients where I'm like, oh, you know, they're, they're always the ones craving the dark chocolate. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that, definitely. I see that too. Um, I have been a fan of the magnesium sprays just because topically it just gets absorbed much quicker than yeah. you absorb it. Um, through the digestive process. So I've seen a mix. Um, but yeah, okay. I mean, I think the point is to get some magnesium, right? So yeah, I think I'm, people, I'm a, a lot of people are low on magnesium. Yeah. And um, I'm seeing that more through the hair tissue mineral test that the magnesium is lower compared to like calcium, for example. So it's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, as we're closing, what would be kind of some tips that, you know, people can kind of walk away from this um, interview with? 
Yeah. So um, I will, I would definitely advise that you, you know, in adopting this, this uh, way of eating, I think it's really important to clarify um, initially, especially, you know, writing in a journal, kind of getting the mindset clear, ready uh, as to why, what is your why, um, what are your goals, and, um, and keeping those in mind throughout the journey, especially initially, because it is very easy to kind of get into that uh, trap of influencers, whether it's on social media or that dogmatic approach of yes and no foods, um, or, you know, this is allowed, this isn't allowed. Uh, so my biggest piece of advice is really to focus on what you are, um, what your goal is, what you want to get out of it personally, um, you know, what your, what benefits, you know, writing down the benefits that you're seeing or writing down things that, you know, aren't yet improved, but you want to see uh, improve, you know, a little bit further. That way, you're just always reminded of of what the long term goal is, what your um, what your what your why is, because it's very easy to get trapped in. Well, I'm doing it because this person is doing it, and they had good results. So that's what I want: good results. Versus um, looking at you as an individual and um, you know seeing why you set out to do this in the first place. Yeah, I think that's so important. I mean, the more I work with so many clients. And they compare themselves to someone on social media or because some doctor or dietitian or somebody said you should do it this way. And then they follow and it's like, but it's not working for me. Right. But then they just kind of muscle through, like maybe it's the transition period. And um, I really think that our bodies are the strongest feedback to us. And so if it's not doing well, if you're still having loose stools after months, or you're still not sleeping through the night or your energy is crashing, like all of these are symptoms that whatever you're doing is not working. And maybe it's time to not focus on, you know, whoever said that it worked for them because we're so different. Like you and I look so different, right? So it, and so what you eat and what I eat are not going to be the same, right? So it's just, mm-hmm. I think we really need, and I'm so glad your messaging is that way because I think it's so, so important. Yeah. And even, even to the point of, you know, being more strict um, is another, another point that people think that if you are more strict carnivore um, versus carnivore-ish, that strict means better, means faster results, means quicker, you know, um, whatever your goal may be. And that's, that's not true. I've seen many people who strict to the T um, and they suffered. So strict does not necessarily mean better um, either. Yeah, no, same, same here. I've seen people do like all beef, grass fed, grass finished and not doing that well. So no, no. So it really does. It's a very individual basis. And I know everybody of course wants the quick fix to tell me what to do and I'll do it, but that's not how it works. Unfortunately. (laughs) Um, so where can people find you, your services, you know, if people want to consult with you, how can they yeah. reach you? Yeah. So um, I offer, you know, uh, Q&A sessions or people who just have um, some questions about, you know, something that they want to, uh, something specific that they want to work on uh, versus uh, more formal consultations or kind of dive deeper into their full history um, and whether it's adopting a carnivore way of eating or like I said, transitioning keto, um, you know, meeting them where they're at. 
Um, so more formal consultation and setting up a, a custom plan, whether that's uh, six weeks, three months, six months, depending again on, on where they're coming from. Um, I also offer separate uh, services of lab recommendations or review. A lot of people will want to just go over their blood work and understand it uh, because their, their primary care doctor isn't well-versed in low carb and is telling them to get on the statin. So they, they would just want to know that everything's okay uh, in the setting of a carnivore's diet. So um, that's kind of the gist of it. I am on Instagram, Facebook. I have a YouTube that I will be starting in the near future for sure. Um, I'm also on uh, LinkedIn. So all of these, you can reach out to me. Uh, my website is qualitycarnivore.com. I have a form you can write into as well for questions. Uh, and if you want to work with me, by all means, you know, DM or any one of those, uh, those platforms, I'm available. Okay. And I will include them in the notes, but it's the, right. uh, your handle is Quality Carnivore, right? Yes. At Quality Carnivore. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And again, I will put thank all you. of your contact information in the notes. Yes. I'm sure so many people will find this helpful with the cholesterol, with, you know, markers and just, um, yeah, getting back to health. So thank you yes. for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Congratulations on your new launch of uh, Carnivore Cure. I'm so excited to dive in. Uh, and it, it's been an absolute pleasure, Judy. Thank you. I will talk to you soon. Take care. Yes. Bye. Bye, Bye. All right, guys. I hope that this video has been helpful. I hope it helps you get to root cause healing. All right, guys, you know the drill. Make sure to eat a lot of meat. Take care of your bodies because it is the only place you have. I will talk to you guys soon. Have a good one and take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and the Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. We will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.